to Internet Marketing for Humans, digestible internet marketing insight and advice to help you grow your business. Hello, welcome back to Internet Marketing for Humans. I'm your host, Andrew Laws, and I am a human, and I like things that relate to humans and especially things that relate to businesses. Now, this week, I have a guest. Honoured guest, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, thanks, Andrew. It's uh, Andy Harris from A1 Webstats. Excellent. So some people listening to this may have heard of A1 Webstats, and we're going to talk about that in some depth in a minute. But the question I'm here for you to debunk is that nobody really knows who's visiting their, their website. Now, as a caveat, yes, we have Google Analytics and there are other tools, but no one really uses them in my experience. But they show us in very vague terms, there is a number of individuals and they did this and they may have come from this demographic background. But A1 Webstats offers something that goes quite a lot deeper than that. And I was wondering if you could just give us a, a, a brief summary of, of a brief summary of your very in-depth software. <laughs> <laughs> yes, of course. Yeah, happy to. Uh, A1 Webstats, uh, it tracks every visitor to the website and what they look at page by page. So that will include those people who are unidentifiable, you know, for example, someone at home or on a mobile phone. Uh, and it will also include those that can be identified by their company name in cases that they can be identified. And that's typically around 20, about 10 to 20% of the time they can be identified as a company. Okay, so how how do how does that data shown in A1 Web Stats? Is it is it an email report? Is it a dashboard? Is how how you know somebody already this early on in the podcast is thinking right? I need that. Yes, of course. Yeah, what happens is um, when people sign up for the uh, free thirty day trial, they get a piece of tracking code, and they put that on their website. And yes, they get a daily email that will show them the names of companies that went to the website in the day before. And they can also log into the portal to look at what those company people looked at page by page after they landed on the website. And the idea is that at a very basic level, they can follow up with companies of interest to them when they know they've been on the website and those companies may not have made contact with them. Okay, so if if you know a company has been to your website, say, more than a certain number of times in a month or a week, I guess that naturally means that they're more likely to be interested in in what you what you're going to be doing. Yeah, that is one way of looking at it. Some of our customers do it that way. Um, I don't tend to approve of that. I tend to take the view that if a company has been to a website, whether they've looked at one page or many or been back previous times, I think a company could go to a website and absolutely hate what they find <laughs> and go straight back to Google or wherever else they came and go off to those other websites. So I always think there's value in knowing that a company has been to a website and hasn't made contact because it helps people to think about what else they could be doing to make their website convert at a better rate. Okay, so it's more than just identifying company names. It's based on what you've just said, would it be fair to say that the quality of the visitor can also be kind of judged? Yes. So say, say for example, someone had a company go to their website and they went quickly to the contact form and they made contact with them saying they were interested and they were they didn't look at much on the website before that, the uh, person receiving the inquiry might not spend much time responding to them purely because they didn't spend much time on the website and they're probably just going to lots of websites, copy-pasting an inquiry into all of them, but they haven't actually spent much time on there in the first place. So you can... 
get a good feel for the types of people coming to the website. And sometimes you'll get visitors from countries that you don't deal with. That all comes up in the system. Um, and sometimes you can quite clearly see it's a competitor going to a website who is um, looking at various things and trying to find out information, pretending they're somebody else. Right. So sort of, I really like it. It's really helpful when you kind of talk about scenarios like that. So I was trying to relate that back to what used to happen in the early days of the web when we'd get an inquiry and you somebody would have just, you'd see all your competitors' names in the two box and you'd automatically kind of go, well, they're probably not that interested in us. They're just kind of touting for the lowest price or whatever. So I guess A1 step web stats can sort of act as a, a more modern filter for that. So if an inquiry comes through and you can see they've been to your website a load of times, actually, that's just giving me a thought. If if you've set up, and just for the listener, there's many different ways you can set up A1 web stats. If you're listening, you can probably guess I, I've been using this for some years now and want to kind of kind of get Andy on the show just to sort of explain some of the ideas behind tracking people um, and just generally kind of good practice around that. So I'm just thinking if you've got it set up to trigger an alert when someone who's been to the contact page has looked at what certain pages, lots of pages. What, what? Yeah, you you can set up anything you want. If you've got if you haven't got much website traffic, then you don't mind seeing all the companies going to the website and what they're looking at page by page. It's not going to take you much time to do that. If you've got more website traffic, you can set up specific filters. So you can set it up to see who came to the website and got to page X, but not page Y, and who were from the UK, um, maybe someone who came in from Google Ads or another source, you know, social media. You can set up lots of filters to give you an individual report either every day, every week. You could even have it happen in real time. We've got people who want to know very specific things. When They want to know when a company lands on a particular page and gets to another page and they want one of their people to get an instant alert as soon as that happens. And that's what you can do in the way of filtering. Okay, cool. So that, that's the tech and um, that that's quite clear to me and I think you made it nice and clear for, for people listening. What interests me is talking scenarios what what can people do with that information once they've got it we've talked about how you can judge the information and gather it but nothing in digital marketing works well in isolation so either as a a system for what you do with that information or or an offline or like a real world activity you do that What, what sort of things have you do people do Every business is very different. You do get some companies who just look at the information and think, that's interesting that they've been to our website and they don't do anything with it at all. You get others who go the opposite end and they will just pick up the phone and try and reach out to someone in that business in a department that they think might be interested in what they've got to offer. There are other methods, you know, people quite often, they will click on a link in the system to go off to LinkedIn and they will look up people from that company and then they may try to reach out to them via LinkedIn in various ways. They might try and find their email addresses. Uh, one of the most effective methods we found is when they actually write to them. So they identify that a company's been to their website. They go to LinkedIn and try and find someone from that business who might be interested in what they've got to offer. And they put a letter in the good old post in the snail mail. And sometimes in that letter, they include a screenshot showing that company's been to their website. And they're basically really? saying, we know that someone there has been to our website. It may not have been you, but I looked you up. I thought you might be the best person to contact. And then they add something else in like, we're thinking about changing our website and no one from there made contact with us. And we'd really like to get your views 
on our website so that we can improve it. So it's less of a sales pitch and more of a consultation that they have with these people. And typically letters like that, what they would then do is follow it up with other things like LinkedIn or phone calls. And sometimes they do it the other way around. They might do a LinkedIn or phone call first of all and follow that up with a letter. It's just a combination. That's really interesting because a big part of digital marketing is if you have a list of targets, target companies that you want to speak to, is finding a way to become present in their world in a helpful way. So yeah, I appreciate that some companies do see the reports of the companies that have been and set off like a bloodhound. And I mean, I hope they don't just ring up and say, hey, I know you've been to the website because I still think there's an element of freaking people out of it there. Sometimes that does happen. Yeah. Um, And you do get mixed responses. You will sometimes get people who will say, you can't contact me because of GDPR. That's incorrect. We're only identifying the name of a company. We're not identifying an individual, so people can do that. Um, but people on the receiving end tend to hear something about GDPR, think it's the wrong thing, and they may take offence. In such circumstances, people would just say, look, sorry for bothering you, you know, and just leave it like that. Mm. Um, it's general, generally better just to say somebody from your business going to the website might not have been you, but I took a guess. You look like the sort of person who might have been interested and, and go from there. But yeah, equally, we have had, we've had examples where people have rung up potential clients and those people have actually liked the fact that they were proactive enough to be tracking who's going to their website. And so they can respond better in that way. But people are very different to each other. You it's, always it's- get a different reaction. In my experience, it's different in in every industry, every niche. You know, some people very much like the, hey, you've made an effort, and that makes me, inter- you know, you interesting to me. But you know, there are obviously companies who absolutely hate that kind of thing. So I think the idea of finding a way to become present in people's world in a in a positive way is is one of the really interesting avenues for this. I think I mean, to- um, also one of the things we like about the tracking companies part of what we do is the fact that it tells the customer that company hasn't made contact with you. So although they can follow up with them or try to follow up with them, it can be a painful process and it would probably be better for them to look at their website in more detail and think about the reasons why that company hasn't made contact with them. That's really interesting to me. So this kind of technology on A1 Web Stats, um, you could use it as what we call in the industry CRO, so conversion rate optimization. So... One of the biggest problems a lot of people have is using Google Ads or some other paid thing, or, or SEO to be fair, they get an awful lot of people to their website and are still wondering why they're not getting inquiries and why people aren't acting in the way they expect them. And many years ago, somebody explained this to me using the phrase, waiting for your cat to bark. You know, Just building a website and sort of patting each other on the back and saying, there you go, we're done now. That's, it's really not enough. It, it needs to constantly evolve. So now that, that, that's it. Can you talk talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, it's actually quite funny talking about COO, conversion rate optimization. Going back to when I first started in business, I did a lot of that for companies before Google Analytics and Google Ads and all that stuff came out. But I didn't realise that what it, that's what it was at the time. Hmm. And I think that evolved into the A1 WebStats product because I wanted something that was going to allow people to look at that level of data in a way that Google Analytics just can't do on its own. Mm. Um, but when it comes to things like Google Ads, SEO, et cetera, yeah, is 
everything has a place in the market, but we, you probably hear it as well. There's a lot of people say, I want my website to be top of Google. The first page listings are Google from an SEO point of view. And sometimes there's a case for looking at data and actually looking at the traffic you're already getting landing on that page and thinking, what's happening to those people? Why are they not making contact? Because a lot of companies will get a lot more value out of SEO, pay-per-click, et cetera, if they focus on the strength of their website, make that as good as they can do, and then they get a lot more value out of spending money on SEO and pay-per-click, et cetera. Absolutely. There's, uh, I had a guest on, on this right in the early days of the podcast who's Google Ads guy, and you know, he's been doing it since it started. And he works roughly on the basis that he doesn't want to be engaged by anyone who doesn't have their house in order, is how he puts it. So he'll go and look at their website first and say, look, before you spend money driving people to it by any means, there are some things significantly wrong with it. I mean, I've seen really, really obvious things like not having a clear contact page. I mean, that's like super simple, really obvious one these days. But it, it can be a lot more, it can be a lot more finesse than that. Yeah, it can be a lot more subtle than that. What's a, what's a clear indication for you, something that a system like A1 WebStats could show that you're, you're going wrong with something on your site? Yeah, it's usually all related to case studies and testimonials. So we try to let the data do the talking, um, although you know I could look at a website and instantly see what's wrong with it. It's better to have the data to prove that point to the customer. So they might have some products or services that they offer, but they don't back those up with case studies and testimonials related to the specific product or service that they're offering. What the potential customer is looking for when they land on their page is not what they can do, it's what they have done. Mm. So they, they, they're looking out for three, six, however many it is, little boxes that say, click on me to look at a case study about us providing this product or service to our customers. And then after you've looked at those, have a look at the rest of our page, which explains what we could do for you. Most websites get that the wrong way around. They put the case studies right down the bottom of the page they're usually generic and not about the product being viewed. And so they lose customers or potential customers that way because they're not thinking about how people are thinking when they go to websites. And all the A1 website system does is basically showing the data of people going to product pages. And, so, and we say, well, you had 100 people to that page in this month. How many inquiries did you get out of that? And they usually give you a very small number. And that's when you start to sort of broach that subject about the fact that their website strength is not what it should be. And if they focus on that, they will get the results they want. It's one of those wonderfully obvious things when somebody like, like you says it, you know, e even I, who, who I do have experience of conversion rate optimization and making websites work. And my experience is from a writing perspective, you know, if your website says, or well, it's the, the features versus benefits thing. If it says, we can do these things, especially if you're selling a technical product, that's almost of no interest to the visitor because, well, they wouldn't be on the website in the first place if they didn't have a rough idea of what you do. It's what the benefit of it is. So, yeah, showing testimonials at the top. You're saying that and you're absolutely right. I can think of almost all websites I see have testimonials either in a little sidebar or squished away somewhere down the bottom. Yeah, or hidden underneath an About Us type menu. That, and we can see you know, people would say to us, we have got um, case studies on our website. And, we say, and I'll say, where are they? And they show us within the navigation. And then we bring up their data and we look at how many visitors they've had over a period of time and we show them how many people have got to the case studies page. And they go, 
well, that's not very many. And so we say, well, that's because they're in the wrong place. And also, as I'm sure you'll probably agree, Andrew, from an SEO point of view, if you've got case studies underneath the products themselves, so if you sell widgets and then underneath widgets, you've got web widgets, and then underneath web widgets, you've got case study one, two, three, four, then surely the Google is going to look at that more favorably than if it's just got a generic page of case studies of which web widgets happen to be part of it. Absolutely. All Google wants is to refer people to authoritative websites. You know, they they Google is the most risk averse organization in the world because when when the web you, you know this as well so I'm just saying for the listeners that when the web first started when you searched for something you'd have to go through so many pages of results before, find, before finding anything relevant or reliable. So yeah, testimonials are a- absolutely one of the things that that Google looks for to decide how trustworthy a website is and and increasingly we're especially on WordPress, using login uh, logins, using plugins that take data directly from Google My Business, you know, where you collect those reviews and put them on a page with something called schema or a rich snippet code, which you don't see this, it's all just plugins, in a way that Google understands. And it's one of those things that I was asked um, just this morning, actually. Somebody said, well, if we put Google reviews on our site, will we rank better? I say, it's one of the things that may well help you know, it's a lot of SEO is marginal gains. And just to back up what you're saying about conversion rate optimization, judging how long people are on a page is also a way that Google figures out how, how much quality, you know, what, how authoritative and, and of what quality that page is. So giving them something they actually want to read is a sign that, that your website's good. This is really good. This is, this is not gone the direction that, that I necessarily thought it would, but, but it, there is a funny thing with SEO because Obviously, SEO has got a cost to it because there's a lot of work involved in it. Mm. Um, quite often over the years, I've had people say that they want a certain page ranking higher back in my consultancy days. And I would have to encourage them to create the best page they've got on that subject, but not to think about organic SEO at that point, but to, th- but to just think about something like Google Ads. Because as long as the Google ad is set up correctly and the landing page is fantastic, they will get the conversions they want to. So what you do is you get them to go down this process of doing that, testing a little bit with Google ads, seeing what they get out of it, which you can see in all the data within our system, of course. And when they got to that point where they've got a good conversion rate, they can then replicate that template of that page out to other parts of their website and focus on the organic SEO at that point, because then they're going to get a lot more return investment. And in reality, they probably made the money from that page via their Google ads to then fund the SEO and everything else really? at that point. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, obviously, I, I, SEO is, is my thing, but nothing in digital marketing works in isolation. There is no one thing. And testing with SEO can take a very long time. I mean, it does. I, I, I'm not even going to beat around the bush. Testing with SEO can take years. Whereas if you kind of get your pages right and use Google ads or Facebook ads or, or whatever to drive traffic to that page, you're going to get an indication very quickly. I mean, 24 hours potentially, depending on what your budget is. Combine that with a system that looks at how people actually act when they get to your page. And then you've got something that will rank fairly organically anyway, because people are finding what they want and acting in a way that shows Google that this is a quality page. No, this, this is this is really good. <laughs> it's yeah, and it, it just 
everything comes out of stats. And actually, to be honest, when we have, when most people come to us, they want to know the names of companies going to their website. And you've probably seen it from our site. We do offer that, but we do make it very clear that that's a very blinkered view hmm. data. And we, if we're tracking, I, I believe we're the only product that tracks every visitor to a website and what they look at page by page, um, not just the identifiable companies, certainly within our price range anyway. And so all the other stuff, the non-identifiable companies and the movements through the websites are so important. We see some real horror stories. We see people do posts on LinkedIn that they're paying for that are going through to pages that are inadequate. You see Google Google ads nightmares all the time. Um, but most importantly, you don't see people going down certain paths and people not knowing what they should look out for. You know, for example, we sometimes say to people, don't just track the companies, track those that get to your meet the team type pages. Mm. Because if they get into that page, there are only two types of people. They're either genuinely interested in you as a business at that point, or they are someone working for that company, good old employee who's looking for a job. And from their work computer, they're actually looking you up. On yeah, their work absolutely. Computer. So you could be either way. Well, this is one of those things that, I don't think is immediately obvious to a lot of people, and hopefully I'm not patronising loads of listeners here, but not all your web pages are of equal value. Some, some of them, and I see it quite a lot when I'm when I'm looking around the web, when I'm looking around the web, when I'm you know being awake and alive, because that, that's what I do for a living. We think, well, okay, you've got these interesting pages, and yes, you've got your benefits here, but then you've got all this lip service all over the place. The classic one is is the meet the team page or or the about page. If the uh, meet the team page is a list of names, I don't think you're really doing enough. Yes, some people will make a decision based on faces and that's just ingrained in us somewhat. But some some of the nicest um, pages I've seen actually genuinely tell you something interesting about the people. Yeah, you're right. There is also the subject of um, traffic that's not the right traffic. Um, you know, we've done this ourselves. For example, we have... Um, we're very visible when people are searching phrases related to Wix and JavaScript because we put a post up on that a while ago thinking it would be helpful to some people. But it's actually bringing in traffic that wouldn't very rarely convert to anything for us. Hmm. You see other companies doing the same thing. They, were, they, they go down this strange path of having all these strange blogs created for them by these external people. And it's totally irrelevant and they're never going to be buying customers. And all it does is generate a little bit of traffic, which does have a little bit of benefit, I suppose, but not to the level it should do. No, it has that leap of that leap of faith thing, which I, I generally recommend people try and avoid in, in any marketing materials. If you create something and think to yourself, well, if they see this, they might be interested in buying something. It's not really enough. None of us have got unlimited resources. So yeah, I was working with the dangerous people in businesses are the ones generally at the top. I hate to say it, hmm. but they are the ones who will say, How many visitors did we have to our website last month? How many got to this page? And they will just focus on that basic data. They don't go deep enough because when you go deeper and you which people do with our system, you can strip out the people from countries you don't serve. You can strip out certain types of patterns, and the actual useful website data is actually a lot less than what the people at the top are being given because that's what they're asking for. And it's frightening when you actually look at some of the uh, traffic. We, we had a, 
we had someone trial our system uh, this past month and we had to email them to say, thanks for trialing, but please don't buy because they had 28 visitors to their website in the whole month. This was an established engineering company. And you think, how is it possible to have 28 visitors in a whole month? Uh, it must have included them internally and probably half of their family as well. But as for real people finding it, it was just not there. And, yeah. and so, you know, as a, as a business, we have to be ethical. You know, if people have less than a certain amount of traffic, it's just not worth using what we've got because it's just going to be a waste of not a lot of money, but still a waste of money. Well, if there's not enough data, you, you can't make you can't make decisions based on that, can you? No, you can't. Hey, sorry for interrupting, but we've got something neat for you. If you want to put some of the things you've heard in the podcast into action, we've created a free workbook for you. It's called Build Your Digital Marketing Battle Plan, and you can download it for free at internetmarketingforhumans.com forward slash battle plan. And that battle plan's all one word. So internetmarketingforhumans.com forward slash battle plan for your free workbook to take you through seven simple steps to get your digital marketing up to speed and ready for action. Okay, back to the show. Cheers. So that that's kind of CRO. So it's we've talked there about conversion rate, rate optimization and how you can use systems like A1 Web Stats to to improve your website, get your house in order, as it were. So, I am, this is a fairly leading question because I think you know I've done this, but I've it's possible to use A1 Web Stats as well to find out information specific campaigns. Shall I give a scenario because that sounds a bit vague? What I'm saying there. Okay, so a client of mine was going to an exhibition, and when we look at the list of potential delegates at this exhibition. It's tens of thousands. You know, it's it's so many people. So we had a meeting and said, look, we're not going to send an invitation to come and visit us on the stand to tens of thousands of people in the UK. So what we did is we ran a Google ad linking, you know, advertising our presence at the exhibition, linked through to a blog post explaining what we were going to be doing. And we included a form on there so people could get in touch and, and book a, a meeting if they wanted to. We ran it and at first we were a little disappointed because not that many people wanted to book a meeting. Then we realised because of A1 Web Stats, what we had was a list, a nice list of company names who had been to that blog post and who had read it for a reasonable amount of time. So that means instead of kind of cold calling tens of thousands of people, it meant it was well worth contacting we should have written a letter actually and you said that i really like that that's a, that's a really neat thing you know it, it gave us a very nice list of people who who we could contact and you know perhaps pick up the phone to and say oh you know we're we're going to be at this exhibition we're just speaking to a few people wonder if you'd like to pop along for a beer because it was one of those kind of exhibitions one of the kind of old school fridge full of beer types oh those are the days <laughs> and that was very pleasing it was it was it was very efficient um it is a good that's a very good use of combining stats with Google Ads for an exhibition, um, we've seen people take it further um, oh, on, because not this. all, you know, some companies don't exhibit everything, but what they know is there's various events on UK and overseas as well. And what they do is they create Google Ads on those exhibition names that their potential customers could be going to, but they're not necessarily going to themselves. Mm-hmm. And the ad says how to get the best out of whatever the exhibition name is. They take them through to a generic page 
which actually is mostly vanilla content, but it just mentions a little bit about that exhibition at the top of it and gives them a nice free guide to how to get the best out of that exhibition. And they just replicate that for each exhibition that they're interested in. Now, you might wonder what the point is doing that is if they're not actually going to be the exhibition itself. But what they do is they will sometimes identify the names of companies, go into those, they will recognise the ones that were of interest to them, and they will reach out to them months before those people have even got to that exhibition to try and sell them something. Yeah, absolutely. This is a, possibly a controversial statement for, for exhibitions because I've been involved in them for well over 20 years. But they are not what they once were. I don't think I can sugarcoat it any nicer than that. And and what really interests me is that maybe 20 years ago when I was first going to exhibitions and I used to be involved in the insurance industry, so there was there was you know a lot of money at stake. The idea that people would only be interested in your offering because you're at an exhibition, I think is has always been a fallacy. Because if people are in the market for what you're selling and they are the type of person who would go to an exhibition, then they're probably their intent their frame of mind is probably a lot closer to buying something from you than somebody who's not interested in going to an exhibition. The fact you're not actually there, I think, is not quite neither here nor there, but it's not its not make or break, really. No, that's right. It works in different ways. Absolutely. So what other novel uses have you, have you got that you could share with us of using a, a system like a one Webstats? Or do you know what? Geolocation is an interesting one. Oh, go on. Um, geolocation works by if you switch it on within the system a little box pops up on people's websites that says do you want to share your location now you've probably seen those before some people see them as annoying but it's worth persevering with because a lot of companies can't be identified by their location and I'll give an example of a client of ours they sell um, tents posh tents to uh, campsites, wedding venues, farmers, glamping type mm-hmm. stuff. And those types of people aren't identifiable by their IP address when they go to a website. You know, okay. It doesn't come up and say, Farmer Giles, going to your website. But when geolocation is switched on, what it does is it will trap, if they allow it, where they're physically located at that moment in time. So if it's a, it will typically be a postcode and an address, now, it's not necessarily that precise address that Google give us because we get this extra data from Google, but it's going to be that postcode. And that has been fascinating because that is uncovering so many people to websites that weren't picked up. You know, it could be an engineering firm in an industrial state that would normally be seen only as being BT or Sky or whatever they use to connect to the internet. Mm-hmm. But you pick up a postcode, and this is where it comes to websites again. You know, let's say you picked up on a postcode and it showed you 10 different companies in that area. You wouldn't know which one of it what it was that came to your website. But if your website broke down into sectors that you deal with and somebody, the visitor, went to that particular sectors page, then you can then filter down those 10 potential companies into one or two that are the ones you should be contacting instead of contacting everyone. So it all comes back to website strategy. And again, that's another important thing. Most websites do not have a section that that is basically called sectors, allowing people to drill down to what they've done within each business sector. But it's great for tracking as well. Absolutely. I mean, along similar lines, 
we've used the system for well a lot of marketing is is trying to disregard people it's saying look you know clearly not everyone in the world wants what i'm selling so who does you know who, who are the people worth me speaking to and i've got a client who sells spare parts for machines they don't make the machines you know they're, they're third-party spare parts and potentially there could be a hundred thousand companies in the uk or in europe i should say who might be worth contacting or just sending a catalog in the post or writing a letter as you say now that would be insanely expensive that would be proper 1950 style marketing which some people still do some people do stand do still send out hundreds of thousands of catalogs on the off chance that a small percentage of people might buy something but if you can use something like a1 web stats to narrow that down and say look if people have spent more than a few seconds on this page and especially if they've come back to this page then they're not doing that just because they're bored on their lunch break. There's a high chance that they are interested in this type of spare parts. So it goes a bit further than that as well. Oh, go on. Because in the, in the, you know, currently most people have got mobile phone unlimited data plans on them. And mm-hmm. we've seen examples of where people have been outside a building perhaps or even inside the normal place they work and they've gone to websites and when you look up that geolocation, the postcode and address, you can work out what that company was, but they weren't connected to the company network. And without the geolocation switched on, we would have had no idea who those people were going to the website. So because people rely on mobile so much, it's become more important for that as well. I just thought of another feature, actually. Uh, I don't know if you've used it on this. Um, tracking any campaigns. So whether it's paid advertising, um, you know, something from LinkedIn, whatever it is, uh, newsletters. Mm. You, if you apply, um, I'm going to get technical for a second, UTM tracking, so the URL parameters with Google. Which is just the little, if you look in the web bar, quite a lot of the time when you're on the website, there'll be a question mark and it'll say UTM and then a load of stuff. So it's it's that kind of thing. So it's invisible to the user, more or less. Yeah, that's right. If you track things in that way, the A1 system can identify them. Now, there, there's some people that use um, email systems that won't tell them what happened after people have clicked through to the website. And when you tag things in a particular way, you can basically run a report from A1 Web Stats that says, these are the people that landed on the page and who got to page X and not page Y, or they looked at a certain number of pages. And you can see all that information in the system. And then you can you obviously know which people are more engaged after they click through rather than just knowing that someone clicked through from, say, an email campaign. And obviously you would follow up on those that are more engaged. This is really key because um, several several projects over the years, we, we've used UTM tracking Um Tell you what, a good example is one of my clients is in a niche, sorry, an industry. So I was trying never to say niche because Americans go, what's a niche? It's a niche. Um, yeah, so they're an industry where there is a lot of paid directories. And the first question people should ask when they're paying to be in a di- an industry directory is, how much business do we get from it? And almost no one knows. So any of my clients, we I, I don't allow them, sound like I'm a matriarch, but I, I don't allow them to have a link in the directory site unless we've added UTM codes. Now, adding UTM codes is as simple as doing a Google search for UTM builder. That'll probably do it. And what will come up, I think Google's got one, loads of websites where you put your web address in the top box, you put where the traffic's going to be coming from in another box, and there's a couple of other boxes. And then, yeah... 
A1 Web Stats completely aces this because Google doesn't always show us that information. The the amount, without getting too kind of a tinfoil hat wearing about Google, um, which SEO people are, are prone to do, Google's been deliberately showing us less data in analytics for years, years and years and years. And it's because it's their intellectual property, I guess. You know, they they don't want to give give everything away. And what I've seen recently with GA4, which is the new version of Google Analytics, that appears to be getting worse. So as an example, from an SEO perspective, in Google Analytics, many years ago, we always used to go down to the acquisition section, go to the organic section, and then we'd click, and Google would show us what keywords people were using to find us, you know, to find clients' pages. That's not there anymore. Well, the acquisition is, but when you click through to find the keyword, it just says not provided. It's just nothing there. It's about 10 years, isn't it? It probably is about 10 years, actually, yeah. It's, it's crazy. I mean, that used to be useful information. They gave this excuse that it was people were trying to game the system and everything, which, of course, they were. <laughs> but um, it was valuable, and they are holding things back which would be useful to people. Go back to your point about the directories, I'm not going to name them unless you want me to, but there are certain uh, business directories that um, make out that they generate a lot of traffic to people's websites. And it's only when you've got that tracking and, you know, we've seen them, we've done things for customers where we said, look, they said you had all this traffic. We can show you what traffic you had from them. And actually of that traffic, we can see it's their people internally looking at your website half the time. Wow. Why are you paying these hundreds or thousands of pounds a year to be listed and then that gets you into other territories like typing things that they do and proving to them that those directories do not appear in the google search results there's two really good responses clients of mine have had um one of them ranks really well for for everything and it is because of me <laughs> partly you know seo is a team effort and no digital marketing is is an island um but when a directory rings them they say look I've just done a Google search. We rank number one. You're on page 10. How about you pay us and we'll advertise you, which I like. And, and the other one is, which I think is eminently more sensible and less less uh, brutal, is to say, if your directory is that good, give us six months free. And if we get the traffic, and of course, in, in terms of, you know, we're talking about having visible data here. Make sure analytics or, or A1 or whatever system you're using can track people from landing on your website and submitting a, 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 a contact form or buying something or something like that. And you, know, you can say to directors, if you're that good, give it to us free, even three months. And if we get sales, we'd be absolute morons not to pay you. But until that time, then... I mean, Google's the directory. That's my problem. We're going off track here. I've got, I'm... But, but it's really funny because you, you haven't, I don't think you've read our pages on these subjects where we've basically made it so that if you search for a directory name reviews, we're high in the organic rankings. But you've just basically repeated. Oh, have I? On there, yeah. That's really weird. I, I can't, depending on when you published it, I can't rule out the fact that I might have read it on your blog and I'm now reporting it as without without credit. So that, that may well have been you, Andy. Years ago, but it was it was um yeah, that is a it is definitely the thing to do. And of course they then run away and say, no, we're not going to do that because they want to say something. The same as people in our market who want to sell some uh, our competitors who shall be nameless, um, who will want to sell a year's contract to people. 
and they have an extremely high churn rate because people realise that they don't want they don't need to pay so much money for something that does certain things, and it's it's wrong to lock people in it, for that amount of time. It it is. Is wrong. We, when, I think we probably shouldn't mention who we're talking about because I, I, I'm fairly sure they, they would track me down. Um, but yeah, there, there are competitors with extremely aggressive sales teams and, and I get contacted by them countless times per month. And the long contract thing is such an alarm bell for, for anything in digital marketing. When you give it, you give, I now sound like an advert for you, but you give it to people for free for 30 days. Yes, yeah, that's, that's right, that, yeah. That's put, putting your money where your mouth is. I don't lock people into contracts for SEO. Why? Why would I? If if we work together and they think I'm a jerk and nothing happens, then I might also not like them. Anyway, that happens. That, that never happens either way. But you know, it's it's. If anyone wants to lock you in for for any, if you went to a dentist and they said, right, we'll fix we'll fix your broken tooth if you sign up for the next five years, I'd be going, why? <laughs> it is the whole locking thing is quite regardless of what it is, what the, the offer is i understand from the seo point of view there is there has to be an expectation of a certain amount of time because it doesn't it doesn't happen overnight the results um but other things where there's no excuse to lock people in um yeah it's fundamentally wrong and yeah you're right we do a 30-day free trial um but the purpose of that trial is not just to show people companies to go to their website it's actually to look at their data and spend a bit of time with them on these a typical on a zoom call and to show them things that perhaps they didn't know, so that even if it gets to the end of 30 days and they choose not to continue after that point, they've still got some value out of it. And actually, some of our best customers are those that have never bought from us. We get we, we get people come to us, and we, say, we find out how they found out about us, and they say, oh, so-and-so suggested you. We say, but they're not a customer. But they repeatedly do it because they got value out of it. Mm-hmm. And to us, we, we, we're actually not interested. We're actually, we have zero interest in someone who pays for us for one, two, three months and then goes because they didn't feel they had value. We'd rather they understood it within the 30-day trial period and stayed for years like people do um, than to get that short win. It's pointless having that short win if it's going to damage a brand. Absolutely. And, and unfortunately, there's lots of businesses out there that, that lock people in that just don't understand that. It's uh, before I started recording this with you, and I, I said to you, Andy, before I pressed the record button, that this wasn't going to be a fanboy episode. But I have to celebrate the fact that for a SaaS product, so software as a service, which I sort of think you are, but you're not. You sort of go deeper than that. You... We're, we're, we're success as a service. Oh, listen to that. Um, <laughs> I think. I think. Yeah, just like to celebrate you for the fact that when you take on a client, you speak to them, and it's a real humans. Andy is a real human, as you can probably tell by listening to him. Thank you. Well, some, my wife wouldn't say so, but thank but, you. Well, I mean, it's, it's not an onboarding process where you sign up for something and you're onboarding, you know, the onboarding, um, your first experience of that product is when you go to the website and the whole screen goes grey and a little thing pops up and says, click here, then do... Yeah. There, It's more... I don't know. I don't think you do that. It wouldn't be bad if you did, but my point is that, you know, every client of mine that you've spoke, you've you've worked with you've spoken to and you've got you must know so many people how do you remember them all yeah thank you yeah it's, it's i've actually we're working i was working out done about six thousand websites over the years six wow and it's you do remember things and and what's been quite fascinating in it all is you get customers who are one company and then they go to another one and another one and then they talk to someone else 
And that's really good growth because they mm. take you with them. And yes, it, it is very time consuming. It's not unusual to spend a couple of hours during a Thursday free trial on a customer. That's not unusual at all. And you might think, well, that's crazy considering you're charging people £50 a month for your service. But it's it make, if it makes a difference to them and they make a little change to their website that gets more results, then that's achieving what we want people to be achieving, which is more success. And that's one of the reasons why we only deal with generally small, you know, from micro to small size businesses. The bigger ones think they know it all and they don't. And, you know, it's, and they, but they have got the resources to throw at it as well. We would rather support smaller businesses that can grow in certain ways than to deal with the big ones who, frankly, are hard work sometimes. It, it's it's the, the fundamental danger of all digital marketing, um, especially with regards to Google Ads, that you can pour money into it and you will get results. The question I always want to ask people is, well, why are you paying so much for those results? I, I had somebody, I didn't work with them in the end, but they came to me and they said, right, we want to do Google Ads. And for one thing, I don't really do Google Ads. I, I, I you know, have other other companies I'm friends with who I refer to that. And his opening gambit was, we want to spend seven grand a month on Google Ads. And I said, right, how much are you spending at the moment? We've never done it before. I was like, I, I don't know if I can manage your expectations well enough that, you know, you probably, you will get, it'll probably wash its face, you know, it'll probably break even. But who wants to do that? No one's in business just to do a, a bare minimum and get by. If you're going to invest in Google Ads, use a system like A1 so that you know where your money is being spent and what you're getting for it. Yeah, thank you. I just thought of something else. One of my bugbears is... Um... We're just ranting now, aren't we? Sorry. <laughs> yes. So I say we're just ranting now. We're just like putting the world to it. Um, contact forms on websites... You know, someone fills in your website, you get an inquiry come through, you get an email and, you know, you respond to that inquiry. The amount of contact forms that, that don't then go to a thank you page afterwards are incredible. Um, when you haven't got a thank you page, you can't trigger another email from our system that shows that person what they looked at before and after the contact page. We found many examples. When you see what those people looked at page by page, and before you respond to them, you can engineer your response to them in a better way than just responding to what they actually said. And a lot of these contact forms don't work in that particular way, which is, is madness. But I think it's it's also a lack of awareness of why you need to track every page viewed on a website. Well, this is why podcasts like, like this one exist, because you know these things and I know these things. And to us, they're probably very, very obvious. But... For a lot of business owners, and I mean marketing professionals, I mean people, very clever people, just wouldn't even know that kind of facility is available, which is why there is this sort of evangelizing that I think companies like yours and mine have a responsibility to do because, you know, it's the known known and unknown knowns or whatever that, that phrase is that, you know, like, wow, I didn't know that was something I could do. Well, yeah, you can. So good on you. <laughs> Okay, cool. I think that's been a really interesting talk and we've spoken longer than I intended, but it's because it was uh, feature-packed. So thank you very much for that, Andy. Now, before we go, would you like a, just a little while just to have a good sell? You know, do your bit for it. I mean, you've been doing your bit really for the last 45 minutes, but if if people are interested in the things you've talked about, what what's the next thing they should do? Um, I'd like to do an anti-sell, actually, if that's okay. Ooh. Please do. Anti-sale is, yeah, anyone who would like more from their website visitors, 
could go to a1webstats.com and click on the link to the free stuff page. And there's lots of free things in there. You know, it could be anything from a, um, a short call to have a look at their website, even without the benefit of data, through to trialling our system, um, to signing up for Mastermind. There's lots of things in there that are completely free for people to use. And they're free because we're very firm believers in proof before you buy. Um, we, we really want people to understand what they could be getting by having a taster from us, even if they're not going to go on after that. And, you know, we never sales pitch anything. Might not sound like it here, but we never sales pitch anything to anyone we're dealing with. Even our trialers, we don't go into sales pitch and stuff like that. It's completely not us. Um, but, yeah, that, that free stuff page, it's there in the top navigation. There's something there for everyone. Well, plenty there for everyone. And it gives an introduction to us. And, the, and above all else, anybody out there who might be listening to this, who thinks they're not getting enough from their website, do make contact. It's usually within seconds we can look at something on the website and say, that's not right. Maybe you'd like to do that. You know, fix it in this way. Uh, whether or not they trial our software really doesn't matter. If they benefit, we're happy. That's a great anti-sell. Okay, well, thanks everyone for listening. I'm going to say goodbye. You can say goodbye, Andy. Yeah, goodbye. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks, everyone. 